two, three. Hello, and welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Join me on the show this week, as ever, we've got Parky. Uh, Christmas is coming, Parky. Goose is getting fat. How's, uh, how's things in the in the old mother's hat? Oh, that's <laughs> Start again. That was <laughs> just, just rifting it as I go. Rifting it as I go. What that was. Obviously, I've only missed that one. I don't know that one. It was. It was terrible. It just mixed him up with my bloody poems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll go again. Old man's hat. That was it. Above old mother's boot, however it was. You know. Right. We'll go. Better? Yeah. Right. One, two, three. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's Devon Detail Podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson and I'm here talking all things Sulphur and Devils. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in a podcast hat. If you haven't got a penny, a Kofi will do. If you haven't got a Kofi, well, God bless you. Joining us on the show, as ever, is Paul Parkin. It's been a few weeks, Parky. How you been? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Getting excited now. We're nearly at the big day. Well... Not till February, is it the big day? That's when we kick off again. No, no, we're not looking forward to it. I always get a nice feeling at this time of the year. Just a shame it's so cold. It's been a, been a bitter one the last few days. But uh, yeah, all good, all good. We're, we're moving on and uh, a lot's going on in the in the world of rugby league. Yeah, loads going on since we've been on Parkett. I went to the Supporters Trust Christmas party. Very good night, a very good quiz that John Blackburn put together. Very well attended. Came away, won the hamper. Very excited. Conged out of there, me and the wife celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Always nice to win something. Always yeah. nice. So that was great. And then obviously with, with Christmas and shows, with, you know, with, with sports, I'm having to do sort of three shows in 10 days. It's all pre-recorded over Christmas. So I've been quite busy, really, having to do different stuff. And then obviously speaking to Nenad about the Red Star Belgrade Rugby League. Great interview with him. Uh, did you get managed to get a chance to listen to that, Parker? I, I did. It was brilliant. I was really impressed by him. He, he blew me away. He's not just he's obviously he's got a massive passion for the game, but he's his vision of what he wants for that that region of rugby league, not just Serbia, but the whole of that sort of South East Europe in general, from Italy all the way across to Greece, Turkey, and everything else. It, it was brilliant. His vision is is so good. I just wish that people who were involved at the top of the game in this country shared his vision and Australia as well, because the international game is so important to our future. Without it, we haven't got one. We need an international front so you can bring in investors. We, we'll talk later about the money in the game and everything else. And he seems like the kind of guy that can get it. And, and this tie-up with, with Red Star being a massive club, I mean, knowing that throughout the world of football, but we're tied in with that as well. And his connections there, he, he can really do a lot with the game. I mean, he needs supporting. It was a brilliant interview. I, I think he's one of them guys you could probably listen to all night. He was he was fantastic. Yeah, it was very impressive. Kept showing me. I'm not put out the YouTube interview is a bit different than the, the podcast one. He showed me different trophies that Red Star have won in the last five, six years. It, it didn't, it's, it'll make good YouTube, but it won't make great radio in waving these trophies at me. But it was, it was really, really, like you say, very impressive. Great link up with the club. Like you said, mm. we, we've got these link ups with all different clubs all over the world and, and Red Star being a big name in it in, in European yeah. football. Obviously, hopefully now we can grow our link up and help him and Red Star grow Serbian rugby league because he was talking about how the, the division, obviously after Kobe, is kind of recovering. And he's hoping that the other clubs in Serbia can find a bit of depth, grow a bit and, and give a bit of competition to Red Star. And, th- and that's only going to help Serbia moving forward. The, the international scene with the European Championships coming up. And he was really hoping that the domestic game will grow and get better and be able to import foreign coaches in to make everyone better rather than going to Australia and trying to get Australian Serbians to come and play over in Serbia. He wanted yeah. to be yeah. homegrown, which is which is what everyone wants, don't they? want to develop yeah. your own. Yeah, and he was right when he was talking about Greece in the, in the World Cup and Italy in the World Cup. Both actually got there by playing with their players from their own leagues. And then as soon as they get there, they start picking them from Australia and wherever they can get them from. And it, it does seem a little unfair when Serbia are using players who are Serbian-born. It's not a level playing field, and it's something that probably will have to be looked at. 
But the importance of, of the game internationally in Europe, you see the European competition that the, the, the rugby union have, it's, it's massive, isn't it? Obviously, Champions League in football, it'd be great to get to that level. I know we're a long way off, we're talking years in the future, but it's got to start somewhere. And I think this could be this the catalyst for that, to get club rugby bigger in Europe. You know, and then maybe his Red Star can then start taking on teams from the, the French, you know, championship, if you like. And then we take the step up again into the championship over here. And then, and then hopefully, eventually, you know, we, we can all join in. What would be nice is to bring them, you know, obviously it's a financial thing, but bring them together, these, even our feeder clubs, but a lot of these two, even if it's just a friendly competition here, hmm. uh, this country, to highlight what we've got, and we could be the centre of that at Salford with our connections with these clubs. I think that would be nice to, to get them over, but there's, obviously there's a financial thing to get in a full squad and everything else you know from all over the world to come and play but it does need that lift and I think his plans and his thoughts were were brilliant and I, I know he went for the the top job in Europe didn't he the European <laughs> I think the game would have been in safe hands with him mm. and I hope he, he tries again and you know and moves up the ladder he's he's a really nice guy and a, 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 you know a great visionary really yeah so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that podcast tune in it's, it's certainly worth a listen as obviously as a new tradition on this podcast. Can we play a game before we get into into things? We've got a couple of games to choose from. We've got name that bench. Oh, we've got play your squad right. Two games. Uh, which game would you like to play first, Parker? Paul Parkin. Will he beat Paul Whiteside, who may be popping in and out at the moment? He's keeping the economy going and keeping people yeah. warm, which is his first skill. And we all know how good he is at that, Parker. So he's out there. Look outside, out that window now and then freezing conditions. Paul's there yeah. with his van, keeping people warm. Yeah, rather than me having to go in all these houses with no heating that he's got to go and fix up in this this weather. Yeah. He said he'd been on since half six this morning and then it's, I don't know, what is it now? Half eight, something, nine o'clock. I mean, poor fella. But yeah, good on him. Good on him. We, we miss him, but, you know, the country needs him. We have to share him about. <laughs> This is it. We, we can't be selfish and say, no, they can freeze till tomorrow, <laughs> Paul. I need this podcast. We will have you when you're ready, Paul. Don't you worry about that. So, do you want list number one or list number two? Go number one. Number one. Okay. So, first name on the list. Don't forget, at home, you can play along. You can obviously pause it if you want to have a bit of a time to think about it. And it's all good fun. Such good fun. See if you can beat Parker. That's the that's the big challenge in this Christmas podcast. So we're going to start Parker with Scott Martin, nineteen ninety seven, nine attendances, four tries. His shirt number was number fourteen. Okay. The next one is Daryl Griffin, two thousand and fourteen, nineteen appearances, one try. Was his shirt number higher? Or lower than 14. Don't forget, you do have switcheroo. Well, Daryl Griffin, mm. he came in as a, he is a prop. Was he, was he a starter? Was he, was his number a starter? That's a very, very good question. <laughs> I don't ever remember him being at eight or ten, really. I think at the time, at that time, would we have had? It would have copy back. Around that time, 14? I don't know. He could have been. He could have been. But I'm going to I'm gonna have to say lower. And lower than 14. I'm going to say... Switch your route. I don't know if it's going to get any easier, is it? That's the problem. Go on, we'll switch it. We'll switch your route. Okay. Um, so, I'm going to switch it from Daryl Griffin to... 2012, Jordan James. 90 oh. appearances, two tries. Was his squad number higher or lower than 14? But well, the gap is bigger <laughs> on this one. That's got worse. <laughs> That's got worse. Um, uh, you couldn't have said, like, you know, I don't know, Paul White, could you? Something <laughs> like that, you know. Easy. Um, what do we think? Jordan James was, he wasn't, he wasn't a starting prop, was he? He wasn't, but he seemed to... I mean, he played a lot of games, didn't he, for us? He was, he was, a, he was a good lad, really. But was he? Did he score a magic weekend? Was that the year? Uh, I think he might have. Mm. I don't 
Remember, I'm gonna I'm gonna say higher. I don't I don't I honestly don't know. I'm okay. stuck. I'm so Jordan James number in 2012 was 21. So higher is correct, Parker. So Woo. it's gone one. Well done, Parker. Next name on the list is Olsi Krasnike. 2017, made 23 appearances, scored one try. Was his number higher or lower than 21? Worked hard, grafted, made his, made his tackles, made his yards. Sort of quite small for a fall, but worked, worked, he was, his, uh, worked his... He was all right, um, obviously. He was okay, he was a decent player. So higher or lower... 21. Oh, because he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have come in as a starter, I wouldn't have thought. But, but he could have easily gone sort of 17, 18, couldn't he? 21. It's 21. 21 was Jordan James. Oh, was he 23? Oh, God. Rob, why have you done this to me? Mm. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, it's nerves. I just can't I can picture him but I can't picture his shirt yeah I'll I'll say higher higher than 21 higher than 21 is that your final answer yeah also Chris Nike number in 2017 was 16 <sighs> Which yeah, is a, which is a singer. Enough. Fair enough. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have got that. I thought I had a feeling it might be sort of 17, 18, maybe 19. But then I thought, yeah, were we struggling that much back then with players? But yes, we were quite clearly. <laughs> um, so it was all right, Ozzy, but yeah. One that right. Tough. That was really tough. One right. So yeah. Park. Yeah, really tough. I have to do some studying. So when. Paul comes on. We'll see if he can beat your number. Oh, if he can, something wrong. And if and if he does, and he beats you by a couple, we might have a second round. We'll see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so right. that's your game. And now let's talk news. We'll start with the great news about the contract extensions. Tyler Dupree has extended his contract for three years. Parker, uh, your thoughts on that? Just more fantastic news, isn't it? Um, Tyler signing on for another few years. Uh, what a find he's been. Uh, he's come from from Widnes. He'd been around a little bit. You know, he'd been sort of pushed out of several clubs. Not really given his chance, it doesn't appear. Uh, he's come here, and as you always say, Rob, opportunity club. He's uh, he's took his chance, um, and this season he's been an absolute phenomenon. Uh, a, a great a great sign. A time when we really needed somebody with a bit of go forward, and he he came in and and just added so much to that pack. And you know, and by the end of the season, he was in the England night squad. So he's still young. He's got a long way to go, uh, and I, I think he's only going to get better. I think we've you know we, we've landed a star, uh, Bleasy and Paul Rowley and Paul King and everybody else involved have done it again. Um, and great, great news, more, more great news, more great signing news, and uh, long may it continue. Yeah, fantastic for him and the club. I think he's been a you know great find by the club, developing in the last uh, twelve months, and his call up to the England Knights uh, has been a uh, you know real success. And hopefully, we'll see lots more uh, of him in the next uh, three years and see him continue to develop. Uh, the next uh, contract extension is Tim Laffey, Paul. Three years on his contract. Uh, what do you think of that? Came to us last season, early mm. season, coming from Australia where he was about to finish his career playing part-time rugby. Very impressive so in a team that got to the semi-final, a playoff semi-final. Then was selected to go to the World Cup with Samoa. Broke his way into that team and played all the way to the final. So being rewarded with a three-year contract. Well... I think it was probably about this time last year when it, when we first announced him, or maybe into January. And I said at the time, he was he, I couldn't believe he was about the game because I remember him being a, a really good player in the NRL. And obviously, the, the squads over there change all the time. And, and like over here, you know, financially, it's, it's what's best for the club. And he sort of got put on the scrap heap a little bit, I suppose. And he's come here and he's been an absolute superstar. Some of the stuff that he's done in, in his time with us, some of these... 
flick passes and the breaks he makes. The amount of times he bounces out of tackles, he's been phenomenal for us. He was great fun, more great work by Blazer to, to get him over the line. And now to get a, an extra deal out of him when he could easily have got a club elsewhere this, this winter after his performances in the World Cup, which got him into the World Cup team of the, the tournament. And bear in mind, he wasn't even selected for Samoa at the start of it. I mean, that's that's the a massive achievement against best players in the world. Mm. He 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 shone throughout the tournament again, and he's got this infectious kind of enthusiasm about him as well. He makes you smile when you watch him. He's such a you know he is a crowd pleaser. But some of the things he's done in a Salfordshire have been phenomenal. What he did for Samoa was great. You know, he helped him get to the final. Nobody saw that coming. I don't think especially after that first game against England where, you know, they got absolutely destroyed. To keep him now for another three years is a sign, isn't it? It's a sign from the club that, yes, he's our, you know, one of our best players and he's going nowhere because somebody would have inquired. Somebody would have been looking at him. No no doubt whether it's in Australia or, or over here. Somebody would have said, we could do with a centre like that. And we've kept him. And I think, like I say, credit to, to Bleasy and obviously Paul King for, for finding this kind of money as well because, I know he came in late, but he won't. He won't be on, you know, small money as such. Obviously, not. We're not talking the, the big money that a lot of players are on, but it's a big commitment from the club and a big commitment from Tim. And I'm absolutely delighted. And I listened to the interview on RDTV. I think it was, and he he said that you know him and his family have fell in love with with Salford and Manchester, and they love the area, and it's their home from home now. And it's it's good that the club have made them feel that comfortable. I know Kenny Seo and his wife are like that. Vicky, they, they love the area, they love the club, and it, it's that feel that we get again. That that I don't know, I don't think many clubs get that, which helps us punch above our weight sometimes. That's created this atmosphere, and he's wanted to stay, and it, mm. it's just it's brilliant for us. We've got a world class centre. Well, we've got we've got two definitely because Callum, if he ever plays back in the centre, again proved that he's world class. It's little old Salford. It's opportunity club park. It's opportunity club gives opportunity. And what the important thing is really for me is that you give this, you give a player opportunity and he rises and his stock rises and then people become interested in him. And it's loyalty in a way that he has decided to stay. It's a sign that we're a club going in the right direction because he could have easily gone like many other players that have, have found themselves on that upward trajectory. So it is it is a good sign that the, the club have have a process in place that it, that is working. I suppose the flip side of that really is he's 31. So you're giving a 31-year-old a three-year contract. Yeah, he's played he's played 25 games, he's scored six tries this year. So so fitness-wise he, he's good. My only concern is obviously he's played a lot of games this year, hasn't he? With with the World Cup, I'm just hoping and praying that the club manage the next twelve months of him because what I don't want not not with him and the rest of the players that have come back from that World Cup is burnout because they played a lot of games at high intensity and I suppose like you say the club know you know what is what is situation and and they they'll want to make sure that he is able to produce quality rugby. I know I don't think that the the will. Cup players are back in training, which is a good sign, Parkers. We don't want to sort of rush them in. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, Paul Riley would would prefer if everyone was 100% fit come February. But everybody in that situation that come from the World Cup need to make sure that we aren't pushing them too hard too early because I don't want to break him down February, March time next year. Yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, I think the lads who've been at the World Cup got a month off (laughs) after the World Cup. All the players who finished the season at the regular time and didn't go to the World Cup, I think they only got a month off, and then they were back in training. So I, I see, I see what you said. I think, I think they'll they'll know what they're doing. I think they'll manage it well. The good thing is we have, I mean, we've got a decent squad. You know, it's not the biggest, but it's certainly we've got a lot of players who can play in a lot of positions. You know, obviously we've already lost a couple in Ryan Braley and, and, and Cal Watkins for the start of the year. We think so. We're looking at cover there, but. We, we've got players who can who can fit in. I'm not overly concerned at the moment. As for Tim and his age, I, I think he's the kind of player that's looked after himself really well. I think he's been a bit of a you know model pro in many ways. I don't think that'll be an issue. And I think maybe like Callum Watkins, in a year or two, you'll see him in the pack, mm. playing back row. 
because he's hard to handle, but he's got great, great hands. He, I think, I think he'll progress that way. I, I think it's a good investment. It's not like when we've signed older players in the past. When we have done it, we've done it for years. But we've brought players in at the end of their career. You know, they've done all their good stuff at Saints or Wigan or wherever else, and then we've brought them in just to maybe give them one last payday. Sometimes that's not the way it is now with this squad. And I, I don't think Paul Rowley would have advised Ian Blees to offer that kind of deal, a three-year deal, if he didn't have the intention of, of using him and knowing that he could use him. He he knows his players. He, him and his coaching staff and the fitness guys know what they can get out of a player and just how far they can push him. They think three years, that's fine. I, I'm happy with that. I think if if we haven't have offered him three and we'd have only offered him one year, he may have decided that someone else is going to offer him two mm. and off you go. So, you know, it's a fine, it's a balancing act. Anything can happen. Any player can get injured at any time. We know that. I'm absolutely delighted. I think he's a he's a fantastic player and a, a real, like I say, a crowd pleaser, someone that you want to go and watch. You know, you see his name on the sheet and you're like, he can do something here. Him and, uh, and Joey Burgess on that left-hand flank were brilliant last year. They, they made a, a partnership out of nothing and some of them tries were so spectacular. So, just fingers crossed we get more of it for the next few years. Yeah, I think Paul Rowley talked about changing people's perceptions and I think this signing does that because everyone thinks that we'd, lo- we'd, lo- we'd lose him. But we've kept him now, which which is what Paul Rowley said in many preference conferences. It's about perception uh, being changed. And I think if this signing does that. Like you said, you have to weigh it up and I think keeping <laughs> him is a good thing moving forward. So great news. Like you said, great experience in that World Cup. He's going to come back stronger. And we've got like a, a World Cup finalist in our ranks for, you know, the first time in what, 40 years or something like that, maybe early 70s. Yeah, yeah when you put it like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we you know, we have. And he's, he's actually made that final while he's played for us rather than yeah. he's played for somebody else in a final years ago and then come to us, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, Mike Langcock or someone like that, you know. Who obviously played in World Cup, but nothing to do with us at the time. So no, it's a great sign. And then he's, you know, I know this talk of the club offering Brodie Croft a deal to extend. We don't know what's going to happen there. Brodie will be in massive demand. He's in his prime. He's got to. He's only going to get better. That's the thing. But the club actually coming out and, and saying, you know, look, we're, we're trying. We're trying to keep all these players. But for years we've let the best go. We know we have, and and sometimes. It's felt like we haven't put up enough of a fight. And financially, we're not there. We're not at the same level as these other clubs. But to show the intent and, and then to when you listen to the players, that's the that's the most encouraging thing for me. Mm-hmm. When you hear Tim Lafay, Ken Seo, Brodie Croft, even Shane Wright, I've, I've heard him say how much they love it here. They love playing at Salford. We know Jackson A's things, how much he loved it. It's That can actually mean more to a player, to make him happy. If you're happy on the pitch... Sometimes he's better the devil, you know. Yeah, but it is that. I'm thinking about Jackson Hastings. You think obviously he left. He went to Wigan, and then he went to Australia. And for me, he never really set the world on fire at Wigan. I think he went to Zee or Australia, and he got Wests. Mm-hmm. Right? Didn't really do. Sort of banged around a bit there. Didn't do too much there. Is he at Newcastle now? Yeah. Right. And for me. I wonder if in the back of his head somewhere he thinks he should never have left Salford. Do you think? I think because it, uh, obviously he was he was worshipped, weren't he, mm-hmm. at Salford, and he he, he had that self belief, and he did because we all believed in him. And he moved to a club where he was just a, another person in a, in a good team, and that's will the likes of sort of Brodie Croft be looking at that and thinking, yeah, I might go and play in Australia I might go and play for Wigan or you know at a top club but will I still enjoy what I'm doing how will I still be loved and how much and how much is does that compare to an extra I don't know 30 40 grand in your bank I think I think like you said I think maybe at the back of his mind Jacko might think that I think the front of his bank account I think he'd be looking <laughs> a different thing because the money he's in Australia he's, uh, he's out of the league of any any team in Super League let's be honest Mm. I think with Jacko, I think he he went to Wigan, and I, th- I think he was probably their best player. If I'm per- perfectly honest with you, that year, but he just wasn't going to get that adulation at Wigan. Wigan fans have seen it all, 
in the in recent years, even in my lifetime, some of the players that we're going to have had in their ranks, we're talking some of the best he's ever been. You know, the Ellery Hanleys of this world and people like that, Sean Edwards, Andy Gregory, going back to, you know, Brett Kenner, people like that, Gene Miles, they had Martin of Fire, obviously. You got you just go on. You become a... You're expected to be that good to play for Wigan. But when he went towards, again, West, they had a poor team, put on a poor season all round. He was... As a halfback, like Brody found at Brisbane, you're going to struggle if your team around you is not very good. We'll see what happens this year with him. But yeah, you could have a point that I think I think more so with Brody that he's seen the, the, the Hastings story. I mean, when he got it, it was shoved down his throat. Let's be honest. Everybody said, do you think you can be the new Hastings? You know, he, he doesn't want to be Jackson Hastings. He wants to be Brody Croft. And he, he's proven this year you know, as Man of Steel, that he's a very good Brody Croft. He's he's not he's not a bad player. But yeah, does he does he see that that he thinks, well, I could move, I could go anywhere else. I think I think the one thing for Brody is that if he does go, I think he he would be tempted by the NRL. And I don't I'm not sure at the moment whether anyone over here would, would sort of drag him away at this stage. We we could be wrong, but he just seems comfortable, he seems happy, he's got his game together. His family are here. They're they're happy. Again, you know that's that's a key thing. I've heard a lot of players say that you know once once their their wife or partner or whoever's happy, it makes their life a lot easier. Hmm. You know, and, and I know his wife's English as well, isn't she? I think her family from Oxford or something. So she wants to be over here. She wants to be here. She wants her kids here. So a lot of things are playing in our advantage there with Brody, and I just hope that we can keep holding. If we can't, we can't. We're not bankrupting the club for any player. No. You know, that's the, he's, the club's a lot bigger than, you know, it's 150 years of big hmm. than, than, than one guy. But we've made our intentions clear that we want to keep it. It's just down to, to, to finances at the end of the day. Yeah, there was an article somewhere I read about how close us all for to, to winning a trophy. And that's an interesting question, that Parker, because obviously to win a trophy... Is in one season we go and win a trophy would be amazing, but to build a dynasty where you can win two and three trophies is surely the target. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, our main problem we all know what it is it's money. Hmm. We haven't got enough, we haven't got enough fans, we haven't got enough money. So, what, what we're doing at the moment is literally a miracle. Hmm. You know, we made a grand final, we made a challenge cup final, we made a a semi-final in the last few years. We had one glitch of a season, which we, we, we won't go into. But what we're doing now is is creating something. We're a team that competes in big games. We've been to the big dance. People perceive us as this. Oh, it's just solved. It's a small club. It's this, that. Our last four years have proven that we're a little bit more than that. Mm. And again, it's about going at it again this year now. I'd love to win a, a trophy, of course we would, but there are, there are only two, and it's very difficult. You can get a tough draw in the Challenge Cup, away at Saints, you're out, that can happen. Or away anywhere, you get a tough draw, you, you go. Super League, you need you need a bit of luck with injuries and so on, and the odd good referee, which we, we seem to miss out on sometimes. But again, you know, we were 18 minutes away from a grand final. We've got to do that again this year. That's the challenge now. Not so much... A trophy. I'd love. I'd love to go Wembley and win the Challenge Cup. Don't get me wrong. Like every single Salford fan, but to be competing, to not be seen as that team that's fodder at the bottom of the league, people questioning why you're in the Super League. To be a top, a top six team is a massive goal for us, and that's where we've got to be now. That's the target, Parker. To be a playoff team. I mean, the article Ian Blees did with Raw <coughs> yeah. talks about our in that field he went to Australia visited a few Australian clubs figured out how they do it brought it back tried to sort of bring it into our structure and it kind of works and it kind of shows you said it was a miracle but it, it, it's not because mm. Ian Blees has seen how it worked and he's and he's implemented it here yet we haven't got mega money so we know what we need to do on, on what we've got and we, we will talk about in a bit about the financial status, the financial crisis in, in the game with all the clubs losing money. But 
really, the club shouldn't lose that kind of money. And we aren't losing lots of money compared to other clubs. So we're getting to Challenge Cup finals. We're getting to uh, Grand Finals. We're getting to Playoff Semi-Finals on a shoestring budget compared to other clubs. So it, it proves that it can be done. So it's not a miracle. The, the miracle would be losing loads of money and then getting to, to the final and not going bust. That's the miracle in it. So, but the way we do it now is it's just hard work. Yeah. It's making the right decisions. The likes of Ian Blees, Paul King, Paul Rowley, Kurt Haggerty, students mm. of the game, looking at a player, studying the player, studying the facts, finding out about the lives, seeing if they can fit into our team and making the correct decision. And that's skill. That's not luck, Parker. That's skill. Yeah, you gotta you got to ask yourself, do, do other clubs not do that? Have they not done the same thing? Or are they now not already copying what we've done? You know, this, this, is where it's, this is where it becomes a little bit more difficult than other teams. So, hang on a minute. How are Salford doing this? How are they picking up these players? How are they competing on a, on a meagre budget that's a third of some clubs or whatever? You, how are they doing it? And they'll look at that and they'll try and work out. Because, you know, these chairmen of clubs who, who are putting all this money in, they are businessmen and they're not... They're not used to losing money. They don't want to be losing money. So they're going to try and put a stop to that. So it's, it's carrying on with that now. But I have all faith in our, you know, in the people running our club uh, making these decisions because they, they, you know, their track record is proven now. Um, and like I say, this year now, it's all about getting back into the playoffs. Yeah. We get back in the playoffs this year again. With, we're spending virtually nothing again because, you know, we haven't gone out. We haven't splashed a load of cash on players. We're not flying players 12,000 miles to come and join us. We're doing it. We've, we've signed a lad from Featherstone and a couple of lads from Lee and places like that. No disrespect to anybody, but if we can manage it again doing that, I think, I think we're, we're the blueprint for how a rugby league club should be run. Yeah, and that's the key, Park. It's about backing it up. It's about doing it again next season. Paul Riley talked about changing people's perceptions and I'll I'll ask him again this season whether whether it's mm. whether we've, we've done it or whether there's more to come. If we can do it again, because not just perceptions of people in rugby league, it's perceptions of people in the city, people mm. who who were watching New Northwest tonight or Granada tonight, who were who see Old Salford popped up on the news and they beat Wigan twenty six ten at home and the eighth in the league or whatever, they'll be thinking mm, beat Wigan. You know what I mean? That and that's the kind yeah. of fan yeah. that. We, we will entice eventually if we are continuing this upward trajectory. And it's exciting, exciting times, because obviously we've got a great culture. We've got players who are hungry, players who are, want to succeed and want to are bought into the process and love the club. So we're, we're a club going in the right direction. And mm. talking about, we'll, just, we'll talk about the, the financial losses now, because obviously I think it was Aaron... I think it was Aaron Bowker on the Examiner yeah. uh, published the accounts form all the clubs between October 2020 to November 21. Just coming out of the pandemic, it was a, a real sort of bad time for the clubs. Obviously, no fans, money was was tight, and some of these clubs, Parky, have lots of lots of employers and lots of wages to pay, uh, which shows the likes of you know Saints and and sort of Wigan, who these mass sort of companies were really feeling the burn. Well. It's an interesting point, you know, that we, I don't mean this to sound the way it does, but South Rugby League Club don't rely on the fans because we have, we haven't got that many. If What I'm trying to say is if, let's say, Saints who made massive losses hmm. had a really poor season and their crowds dropped off from, I don't know, 10,000 to, to 6,000, it would virtually kill them. Hmm. Salford don't suffer like that. So when we went, obviously, through the pandemic and having no fans, we know how, how to manage money. We know how to, to, to get through on, on, on a small budget. These clubs rely heavily on big turnouts. And when that doesn't happen, you have a bad season. Warrington had a bad season last year. If they have one this year, you watch their fans drop. Mm. That, them losses get bigger and that, they'll feel them more because they're paying higher wages. So the drop is much, much bigger. And again, it goes back to the management of this club and the management of what you've got. Uh, we're, we're lucky that we've got you know brains behind us in, in, in that way. But the losses that were reported, I know it was a bad period. I know COVID just ruined everything, but they are shocking. Mm. They are absolutely shocking. For some clubs, that is a real worry. 
because I don't know where you find that money to replace it. Yeah. It's not like any other business. It's not like the government when you lose sixty billion overnight and all of a sudden pre pretend not to worry about it. You know, if a club loses a million quid, where's he going to find a million quid? Mm. Nobody's going to give you that. It's, it's a massive thing, and we've done really well to come out of it the way we did. Yeah, obviously, quick run through through the list, Parker. Saints won the title, but lost one point six million quid. Wigan lost one point seven million quid. Uddersfield lost 1.7 million quid. And also in the in the article said the old 20 million quid, which made a cold sweat break over my brow, has to be said. Leeds about a million half. Hull and Warrington about a million each. Cass about 400,000. Hull KR 600,000. We were 349,000, which, which is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. We're not saying, you know, well, that's a, you know, get that out of the biscuit tin. It's still nearly 350,000 pounds. But... Mm. On the on the scale, it's not as bad as one point seven million quid. I think well, if Paul King, you can sit Paul King down and say, "Look, you're going to lose three hundred fifty thousand pound in this period of time." It is it just snatch your hand off that point. Yeah, and when you say that, you know, was it Huddersfield and Wigan or something lost one point seven million? Yeah, that's more than we spend. Mm. You know, in real time, we we don't spend that on salary cap. We don't get to one point seven million. They've lost 1.7 million. I mean, that's it's mind blowing. How can you survive? I think I read today as well. More trouble for, for Huddersfield in many ways. That I think the, the, the company that owns their stadium is going bankrupt. So there may be trouble ahead, as the song says. But it just shows how well managed we are. Yes, people always say oh, we need to go and buy another player. We are. We'd all love to. But I'd love to have a club for another 150 years. Yeah. Yeah, so let's. It's all about management of, of what what we bring in. If we brought more fans in, if we had six, eight thousand fans every week, then yeah, we could go and buy an extra player. But what I know is behind that, the first thing that would be done is that all our bills would be settled. Mm -hmm. We'd make sure that we don't, you know, we owe as little as possible before we start splashing. Whereas the other way, you know, a lot of these clubs are clearly doing it a different way. But it, again, it just goes down to the management, doesn't it? You, you've got to, you know, sort of doff your cap to them because if, if, to, to keep the losses during that period of COVID to, to 300,000, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The flip side of that as well, Wakey made 167,000, which I don't know how. <laughs> they make nearly 100. I think, must have sold a house or something for that kind of money. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's called not investing in your ground at all, ever. Um, I know they're doing it now. No, I'm not having a dig. You know, I hope Bellevue get turned into some kind of palace one day. But they they got all their money in. Don't forget, all, you know, these a lot of these clubs get money from the match day revenue yeah, yeah. when it is open. We we don't. So Wakefield would have got all that money in, and clearly didn't spend any out. So you know, doing maintenance or anything like that. So that that might have helped to. And I don't know, they may have, I don't know, they sold a player in that period or something and made a bit of cash. That could have been it. But I mean, fair play to them. They, if they made money, it seems, seems very good accounting, not suggesting anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, but, but, but fair play. But strange, what was it? Nine out of 10 or something or 11 out of 12. I don't, I don't think the French clubs count, no. do they? No. Because it's all done differently. But of all, all the clubs in Super League losing money, it's a very, very worrying trend. In any way, and it just shows the the need for investment. Yeah, and obviously strong leadership as well. And we're part of that, Parker. This this strong leadership. We're forming a, a sort of a, a band. We'll call it a band of brothers, but it might it's not a band of brothers because it's sort of more about being inclusive and, and strengthening the skills at boardroom level. Us, Halifax, Huddersfield, Hunslet, Midland Hurricanes, Swinton, Sheffield. Wakefield and Widness all sharing experiences and and making taking the positives out of running a rugby club and, and hopefully strengthening the game. For me, I was a bit surprised that the other club, you know, the likes of Saints and Wigan, aren't involved in this because mm. really they need to be involved in it to really push it forward. But even though they're not, we'll push this forward as a group. And um, Wigan, Saints, Leeds are running rugby league. Mm. I think they've got their own committee to start with, or cartel, as it may be known. It, you know, it's, good, it's good that these clubs are getting together, 
and, and we need more. We need the, the strength in numbers to make things change in rugby league massively because you know everybody who listens to this podcast knows my my critique of the RFL and how, how Super League is run, how rugby league run in general. Um, and I think with the new kind of management coming in to Super League next year, well, last year and into this year, I, I think a lot of clubs are getting left behind. A lot of the smaller clubs, a lot of the championship and league one clubs, and we need we need to stick together and we need to advise and help to, to make them stronger because without that we don't have a game. It's all right wanting this all singing, all dancing Super League of glitzy stadiums, this and the other. Where are you going to find these players to play the game? They come from these clubs, and we need these clubs to stay alive, to stay strong. And if we can share the ideas, especially a club like ours, which you know I've already lauded that how good the management is and what Ian Blees does and who does what in what role, if we can pass that on to, to Hunslet, to Swinton, to, like say, the Midlands, who's a growing concern in many ways, great, but we need more. Well, and what we don't need is these big clubs just sticking their head in the sand, thinking we're all right, Jack, because it, it will catch up on it. Uh, yeah. Full credit again to us and, and the other clubs for coming together and saying, you know, knowing that there is a need for sharing information. And, and it's the only way we're going to make the, the game grow again. Yeah. So, exciting times. Hopefully that we'll see that grow, more clubs join, and we can we can get, make the game stronger as a whole because as, you're going to be as strong as your weakest link. So, yeah, let's all get together and make Rubber League stronger. Yeah. Other news. Open day was a success. I thought, Parky, I went down with my family, decided not to try and get content, decided to go, and go as a fan and enjoy the day. Interviews on the on the in the marquee stadium tours, wheelchair rugby on the outside of the stadium. Lots of people picking up season tickets, bit of merch. I know they didn't have any merch to sell, but they had merches mm-hmm. on the stand, so you could figure out what kind of size you, you wanted. Very good day, well organised. It was like a sort of a pop up museum as well in in the press room. Lots of great stuff in there as well. John Blackburn working his miracles with that. So very enjoyable day. Yeah, you were spotted. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, my me, me brother went down, took his family. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's better than just saying season tickets already, come down and pick them up. Let's try and make an event of it. It's a shame VX3 couldn't be there, though. I think that was a, a bit of a loss. And I think more people may have turned up as well for it. I think people are very keen to get their hands on, on the gear. We, we're all delighted after the launch of the shirts. I mean, we, we'll talk about them. And everyone was keen to get their hands on them. And then you get snatched away at the last minute. I know you can order online, but it's, it's not always the same. It's just getting your hands on it, is it? It's good that it went, it went well and they've organised something. They had a band there, a brass band to, yeah, yeah. to play Christmas tunes. and It's different. And it shows, again, the club doing things in the right way. And all this is organised. When you, when you go to the club and you sit with them and you see who does what, uh, and how much work goes in with literally skeleton staff. I mean, we're talking, you know, a handful of people make all of it happen. Yeah. Everything from from what happens on a match day to, you know, who, who wears what boots to you, the whole thing. That we're talking a very, very small band of people and they put this on. Again, additional at the weekend when... They could easily go and put the feet up and forget about rugby for a few days or whatever. It's credit to them again for making these things happen. Uh, and like I say, it's a shame VX3 weren't there, but other than that, yeah, it sounded like a good day from what I've heard. Yeah, do work hard. Best job in the world for me. It's I'd say there's not there's not many of them, but they work hard. And and that's what our club is. It's about sort of working and grafting, and you know this. Open Day was a real good community event for me, and, and that's what we want to be. We want a community club, and this event is part of that process. So, you know, congratulations. I think it was a fantastic day, and well done, everyone involved in that. Talking about the shirts, Parkett, home shirts and away shirts have been announced. What do you make of them? Yeah, really smart. Really smart. I'm not, I've not bought one for, for quite a few years. I mean, a bit more previous than this one I've got on, but it's been, it's been a while. Because I, I sort of go, oh, yeah, it's all right. And I think, well, am I going to wear it? I'm like, do I really want it? Mm. These, I, I think I think they're really smart. I do. And I love, obviously, the, with the badge with the 150 years, it's only going to be for one year. You're not going to, you know, these aren't going to be around 
again, and I'm definitely not seeing the next 150. So <laughs> yeah, I'll be lucky to see the next 15 months. Um, <laughs> but it's um, they're really, really nice. Both designs are superb. Really, I think I think they'll sell well. And a nice touch with it, the the whole one having the, the all the players' names in it. Again, really, really good. But uh, no, smart, very smart. And uh, hopefully, you never know, Santa will be here soon. And one might end up under my tree. Oh, you never know. That's Parky asking for more merch, by the way. <laughs> Chris, this is coming. Parky's getting cold. Wants a new shirt. <laughs> I don't know if I've, have I mentioned how good BX3 are. I don't know if I mentioned them yet. Have I mentioned brilliant. I'll give you 30 seconds, Parky. <laughs> you know, if you're looking for a, an ugly model, oh. go for it. And, and, like you say, we're on YouTube every week. So if you want to provide merch, we're, all, we're here to be your, your, yeah, your show absolutely. off. It's no problem. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very impressive. You know, really nice. Like, like you said, I think the video was great. Yeah. Promotional yeah. video with, with the ladies involved as well. Proper yeah. sort of community. Like I said, community club. Everyone's involved in it. Uh, really shot well as well. And yeah, very impressed with, with, with that fantastic yeah. stuff. Talking about the other teams, the wheelchair team, the PDRL team and the LDRL team are looking for sponsorship in 2023. That was a thing, obviously, they had a very successful season last season, the PDRL and the and Learn Disabilities team. And obviously, if you're a business, you know, it would be a real big opportunity for me to invest in the, in these teams, gets your brand out there and also helps the, that team develop. Yeah, yeah. When we're in tough times, we know that, and you know, cash money can be a little bit, little bit tricky to to come about. But I think I think it's more than just. I know we, generally you you put your name on someone's shirt or whatever to, for, for advertisement. You know, you can do. But this is also it's more than that. It's a lot more. It's, it's about giving something back and and giving people an opportunity. People who who maybe for years haven't been given the opportunity to be part of something. I mean, you keep saying this about the community club and, you know, I mentioned about the people who, who work there and how hard they work. It, it kind of typifies what I've always thought of, of Salford as a setter. You know what I mean? We, we don't get a lot of credit for anything we do, but there's a lot of people who do a lot of, you know, a lot of work. Mm. It's, it's made of hard work. These people are, are, are typifying that. And then, we're now expanding out to, to helping and getting other people involved. It's always been this way. I've always found it this way. There's always somebody willing to give it a helping hand, and and these guys need it now. And he, you know, I, I don't know the cost of, of sponsoring a team. I've no idea. I wouldn't you know? But surely there's somebody out there, some local business who who would love to help these people out and. You know, they deserve their chance now. So let's get them, you know, let's get them a bit of money. Let's get them kitted out and uh, let's see what they can do. You know, I don't know about they, they can be bringing more silverware back to, to the AJ Bell next year. You know, like what we saw of the ladies seeing this year, the uplift that that gave. Mm. You know, if we can have the wheelchair and the learning disability and the phys physical disability teams all winning, all doing, so, you know, all party in this, this one thing. As well as on the back of what the first team have done, you know how good is that feeling? Mm. And and if you've got your company name on the front of it, you know people are going to look at you in a in a different light. I think. Yeah, I think there's a twenty people gone down to play wheelchair rugby, which is which is great. I think a lot a lot of clubs have jumped on the old wheelchair bandwagon park here, all over Twitter. Different clubs trying to get involved. I think it's great. We were. We were on it before most both the other ones, uh, which shows that the forward thinking of the club. Yeah, I mean, following the World Cup and the wheelchair was the, the wheelchair rugby was was the highlight. It was mm. brilliant. Wasn't it? I mean, in that final, besides that that French linesman, everything was it was brilliant. But the whole tournament and when you watch that sport, it's it's terrifying. It's more. It scares me more than playing the thirteen aside code. I'll, I'll be honest, because they just don't care for their own safety. And I know you don't have to be in a wheelchair to play, which which makes it better because it is open to everybody. And I'm not surprised that the game's taking off. And I think wheelchair rugby could be the next big thing. Yeah, 
yeah, I think it's great. Obviously, very entertaining. They don't mess about. They just launch themselves into into every collision, which is which is mad. Um, but yeah, it's it's a different form of the game. Engagement with people who may, who may have you know been injured or, or maybe sort of disabled. But like you said, the pack you don't you don't need to be in a wheelchair to play no. rugby league. You know, it's it's open there. The opportunities for everybody. So if you want to, if you think I could play for Salford in a wheelchair, then I'd be I'd be thinking, give it a go because uh, you know, obviously. You've got some great coaches down there who were, you know, working miracles with the, with the, the foundation and, and the ladies and, and all, you know, the the infrastructure that the, the club have built. You'd you'd be able to tap into that being being a wheelchair rugby player. So it's a, it's a win win for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people down there putting a lot of time in, you know, working really hard to make these things make make these things happen. And you said twenty people went down the, to the wheelchair. I mean, that's. That's brilliant. What is it? Is it it's only five aside, isn't it? I think at the time on, on the so basically got fourteen. So what's, yeah. what's happened there? And it will grow. It, it will. But uh, more more credit to the club for for everything they're trying. And you know, it's what Paul King said we would do, and we are doing. It's not just about one team. It's not just about having a men's team. Which under a previous owner, that's exactly what it was. We we cut off the academy we you know we got rid of everything. it's all focused on a first team and a first team which sadly wasn't very good mm. you know what I mean there was no it, it, there was no feel good about the club it was you, you turned up once a week once a you know whatever and that was it but now there's always something and next year if we do have the wheelchair we do have the disability and learning disability in the women's team there could be games two or three times a week mm. there's going to be something to go and watch mm. You know, and it does create an atmosphere, and I think I just think more power to the club for what they're doing. It's very, very exciting times, Parker. We'll finish this first part of our double bill of Christmas podcasts with a game of Name That Bench, Parker. So, what decade would you like to to go for? I've got two thousands. I've got. Uh, 2010s, 2020s, or two, yeah, 2000s, or 90s. You say 90s? What 90s? Go on. Let's okay. go back. Let's do it. Let's right. go back. And, yeah, let's do it. Okay, 90s then. 90s. Name that bench, Parker. So, yeah. Salford played Warrington Wolves on the 10th of April, 1998. At Wilderspool, Warrington. They won 37 points to four. Salford's team that day was Gary Broben at fullback, Phil Hassan, Scott Naylor, Nathan McAvoy, Darren Rogers, Josh White, Martin Crompton with the halfbacks, Lucky Savilio, Peter Edwards, Asini Farmilo, Joe Farmilo, Dave Bradbury, and at loose forward was David Hume. Who was on the Salford bench that day, Parker? I'm going to give you two lives because you didn't do quite well in the first game. and I don't want it what, to be what, over. What was, the, what was the final score? <laughs> they won 37 points to four. Did we? I don't remember that. Wow. Um, Robert, Robert Conley was the referee and there was 5,567 there. So, just, just, sorry, just give me the back row, the back three again, the... Second row and loose forward. Okay. Even Hume was there, wasn't he? Salford's back row were Joe Farmilo, Dave Bradbury and David Hume. 98. Do you want a clue? Do you want a clue on how we we were set up? Like, or do you want... Trying to think. So what we'll do is, I'll I'll, I'll give you a clue. It was three forwards, one back. It's not really helped. Um... (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. So, 98. So, was he still playing then? Seeing if I'm out. Gregory was coach. Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. It was, 98 was challenge cut. 10th of April. Emma. 1998. 19. Do you want a clue? Yeah, give us a clue and then it might trigger something. Okay. One of them. Yeah. I think has been an answer before. One of them, two of them have been on our podcast before, and one is a local lad. So, Paul Southern. Yep, so that's one. Paul Southern. 
Our sovereign. And we resume our Paul was the answer, but it was he was an answer to one of our questions. One of our I'm trying to think of that ninety-eight team. It was a God. I could see I could see what he was thinking, Andy Gregory, why he set this team up the way he did. And his bench worked. Platt wasn't there, was he? Andy Platt. No. So that's one life gone. I mean, he wouldn't have been on the bench anyway, but I just thought check. So, Paul Southern mm. is one. Good play for us. Is he folly? Yeah, all right, Southern. Yeah, he's still, still heavily involved down at folly. Yep. Do you know what? I'm really, really, really struggling. Right. Okay. Remember Give another clue then. Did we... Um, there didn't seem to be many overseas players one, in that team. You know, I think you know. one used to play for Sailands, mm. and the other is from Sailands. Oh, God, that doesn't narrow it down, does it? <laughs> Not for us. Um, I think that wasn't Buffer. What's Buffer? Of Hall Farber. Farber, but I thought he, I thought he retired in '97. Mm. That's weird. '98, okay. Um, Paul Southern, Paul Farber. Two to play. So one was an answer before. As in, I'm not sure whether it was you or Paul gave the answer, but he has been an answer to a, a question before. And one was, I think, was from Sounds. I think. I'm hoping so. Let's Google him. Let's see. While you're thinking. He's been on this show before. He's... Uh, thank you. I thank you. Mark Lee. Mark Lee. <gasps> Correct. Martley, because he was yeah, Martley Buffer. I don't remember this game at all. I honestly can't even picture it. Maybe I don't not. remember being Warrington at school at Wilderspool. You might be um, by then. I probably was. That's that's, <laughs> that's the problem. Um, who would have been around in '98? See, I said because we had I'm in the back row. Is the is the back is the one you're looking for? <laughs> he scored a famous try for us um, a couple of years before, maybe. Mm. <sighs> back on the bench that scores tries. That's an unusual one, isn't it? Not great podcasting, this. No. Um, exactly. Don't worry if I can clip it up before they start the start process. It'll make it sound like you just. Took a minute, took me took 30 seconds and just gave the answer. Rather than 20 minutes later. <laughs> I'm say Alan Hunt. Alan Hunt mm. is wrong. Ah. Okay. Unfortunately, the last person on the bench was Scott Martin. Scotty Martin again. <sighs> was it you or was it Paul? Scott we Martin. Had Scott Martin before, but we had Scott Martin start the show. Mm. It was his shirt number. He was. He was. Scotty Martin. Scotty Martin. Yeah. So, well the benching for well. Scott Martin, Mark Lee, Paul Farber, and Paul Sovereign. It's an odd, uh, an odd setup, but it obviously worked. Good times. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. For another couple of years till it all went badly wrong. <laughs> so, that's the end of part one. Big thanks for tuning in to this uh, first part of our Christmas festive double. Big thanks for everyone who, who's donated on the Kofi. It means so much, obviously, being able to to use the donations to pay for subscriptions and, and equipment. Uh, talking about the sort of the club's financial situation, um, our, our first situation is is Matt is sort of chalk and cheese now <laughs> compared to what it used to. We're actually, kind of making money now to to be able to to buy subscription rather than not which is which is great and i do you know appreciate all your all donations everyone because uh it will take this podcast forward boy packer yeah there's so much we can do so much further we can go with it it's just you know sometimes technology and whatever else makes it tricky but um yeah no i mean th- these people as we said before in all walks of life and it's very you know times are tough mm. so we do thank you a hell of a lot for for anything that you do we we do this out of the love of talking about rugby league but 
you know, I mean, especially yourself, Rob, with all, like you say, the subscriptions and all the technology you've got there for editing and everything, it doesn't come cheap. So just just thanks to everyone for, for helping us out every now and then. Yeah, massive thanks for that. So if you do want to buy me, Parky, or Paul a coffee, uh, click the link on our socials and uh, donate uh, for Christmas. Big Tax Tunes' first podcast, and we'll see you in the next couple of days for part two. Big thanks for tuning in. Abra Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil the Details HD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. Merry Christmas. We'll see you soon. Ha 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 